0: Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 883 of Locked On Raptors for Thursday, February the 11th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked Raptors. And please support the podcast by subscribing to, rating, and reviewing wherever it is you get your podcast. And you can do that as well for all of the offerings we have at the Lockdown Podcast Network, a uh, whole bunch of stuff for you to check out, including earlier this week, we did the first of a series of Black History Month conversations between uh, two of our wonderful hosts, Erica Ayala of Lockdown Women's Basketball and Candace Cooper of Lockdown Tar Heels, speaking about their experiences as black women in sports media. You can find that at Lockdown Presents. Just search Lockdown Presents in your podcast player and you'll find it. Subscribe and you will get lots of great updates in that feed over the course of February. And beyond. So please go and uh, check it out there. Erica and Candace are freaking great. Today's show is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you'll ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them on sent you. We'll have more on them a little bit later on in the show. On today's show, it's just me going solo after a Raptors 137 115 win over the very, very bad Washington Wizards. The Raptors moved to 12 and 13 on the season. They are now tied for fifth place in the Eastern Conference. Everything's fine. I told you all. Everything's fine. <laughs> They're doing just fine, and they have a chance to move to fourth tonight as they take on the Boston Celtics. I guess by win percentage, they might still be below Boston if they beat them tonight, but games wise, they'll be even, and that is very, very cool and fun. And we're going to dive into this game Uh, in particular. We're going to talk about Norman Powell and the decision he is thrusting upon Nick Nurse potentially as early as tonight if OG Ananobi is able to return, which it sounds like is a possibility. So we'll get into the starting lineup situation that we've kind of buzzed around a little bit this week, but I have some very declarative statements about the starting five and also Norman Powell that I'm ready to share on today's podcast after last night's game where Norm goes for 28 points, 10 of 18 shooting three of four from downtown, seven boards, four assists, which is like nine assists in Norm Powell world, and uh, two steals as well. He was excellent. And I very, very much want to see him remain in the starting five. We'll get to that in a sec. Also, we're going to uh, share a little bit of love for DeAndre Bembry, who has been, I think, an unsung hero in the Raptors turnaround here. We'll talk about him. And also, I have compiled my official list Of the five bigs I most want the Raptors to go and target, I will dive into that and sort of rattle them off in my reasoning for why I have them in said order. Subject to change, of course, we will update the big man list over the course of the next couple weeks here, but that will be how we close out the final segment. And that will all be informed by my thoughts on Norman Powell, which let's dive into those right now. Last night, you know, look, the Wizards game, not exactly offering a ton of resistance to any member of the Toronto Raptors. Pascal Siakam had 26 points pretty easily, hitting some threes again, three or four. You'd love to see that. Um, You know, Kyle Lowry had himself a really efficient night. Basically, everyone had an efficient night because the Wizards stink. Uh, They stink so much, in fact, that the Raptors are now up to sixth in offensive rating. And I think Norman Powell really deserves a lot of credit for what he's done to help sort of turn the tide here for the Raptors, and in particular, the work he's doing to juice the Raptors' offense, especially as a member of the starting five. The Raptors are just a different team than they were last year, half-court offense-wise. You know, I think last year they were often looking for finishers. You know, Fred VanVleet couldn't quite finish as often as you wanted him to. Kyle Lowry could when he wanted to, but also was in sort of self-preservation mode sometimes and was very much happy to dish assists and lead the league in that category. or comes second in the league in that category. You really needed Serge Ibaka as like an eager finisher because Mark Gasol wasn't a finisher, OG Ananobi wasn't a finisher yet, and you're kind of seeing a lot of these guys round into being complete play finishers that they just kind of lacked last year. Norm Powell very happily you know, shooting the lights out from around the rim and sort of carving through defenses basically at will at this point. Pascal Siakam's finishing back on point, and he's doing it from all over the floor now. The mid-range for him has been a really nice surprise, and it continues to improve and look more deadly every single night. We know Fred Van Vliet's added finishing to his game. Maybe not so much around the rim, although it's slightly improved, but... The three point shooting, the mid range, that's there. OG, when he's back, you know, he was finishing plays. They just now have a lot of dudes who are a problem for the defense. And I think that's really putting a lot of pressure on defenses. And you can't really sell out to stop one guy because there are four or five guys on the floor at all times, especially when Chris Boucher is playing, who can score on you. And they can do it in a whole manner of different ways. And Norm has been essential to the health of a half-court offense and having him out there just leaves too many dangerous options for the defense to, you know, load up on any one specific threat. And that's really, really nice. You know, we talked about this yesterday on the op- on the podcast about the Raptors offense with Vivek. You know, it might kind of have diminishing returns once you get to the postseason and, you know, the, the egalitarian style kind of falls out of style, but I think right now in the regular season, we're continuing to see that they're just going to be a damn potent offensive team because of all the dudes they have who can finish off a play. And the way Norm has played, like, look, I have a really strange mental relationship with Norm and sort of trying to figure out exactly what he is and where he fits in best. And he's a maddening player to try to pin down because... You can kind of have him figured out and say, oh, yeah, no, he's best when he's the fifth guy in a lineup where he's attacking a rotating defense and he's doing the thing that he did like in the 2017 playoffs where he comes in as a starter against the Bucks in a small lineup and is just super effective as the fourth or fifth option because of his first step, his ability to attack closeouts, things like that. And then last year, he kind of settles in, and it doesn't really matter where he's playing. He comes off the bench, and he does just fine as sort of a one or two in a lineup. He comes into the starting lineup as the number four or five, and it works just fine too, and it's hard to pin down because you want to obviously put a guy in the best position to succeed, but if you don't really know what that position is because he keeps confusing you, that becomes difficult, You know, both as a person trying to talk about the team and I'm sure for the coaching staff as well. But I wonder if... This is maybe the final nail in the coffin of sort of like, what is Norman Powell and where does he fit in best? Because he's been just so dynamic with the starters since OG Ananobi went out. And with the bench, he was obviously going through it quite a bit. And I don't know the total explanations for it. It's so sort of perplexing. But I think we've kind of reached the point where Norman Powell should be a starter And the Raptors should be really looking at skewing small. Obviously, OG's not going to come off the bench when he comes back. He's way too valuable, too important defensively. And with the way Aaron Baines has played, he was fine last night. You know, he continues to be somewhere between fine and very bad. And you really, really hate the very bad nights. And the fine nights look like, oh, all right, maybe there's something there. I just wonder if maybe the time has come to embrace small ball whenever og's back again this was put forth by joe Wolfond on monday's podcast and i'm just fully echoing the point now you know going small i think the way forward here for the raptors once og comes back and presuming no more injury sort of bad luck befalls the team which it will at some point of course that's how basketball works but if you get og back and you're healthy you have your full complement of guys i think you go small you start lowry van vliet Powell, Ananobi, Siakam. Ananobi's your nominal five, who you know has really proven. He can do that job as a short roller, as a rim protector, all that stuff. So that's where you go for me. I think Aaron Baines kind of becomes more of a situational piece. You know, sometimes he'll start in a particular matchup where there's a big hulking center you have to guard, whether it's a Joel Embiid, whether it's a Nikola Jokic, maybe a Jonas Valanciunas if they play the Grizzlies again. Um, you know that type of thing. Other than that. The number of dudes around the league who are really going to punish you if you don't have a traditional center in there is pretty low. And it's even lower when you consider that OG Ananobi can kind of guard anybody he wants anyway. Like, we've seen him have success against Nikola Jokic. We've seen him have success against other big men who, you know, typically would bully a smaller matchup. OG's thick as hell, he's one of the strongest players in the league, and I think you can kind of manage it, obviously you don't want to wear and tear him too much, but again, there's not that many matchups out there where you're too worried about a center brutalizing you, and in many cases, like we saw with the Wizards last night, if a team is willing to funnel their offense through a hulking big man, that's probably a win for you, like Robin Lopez was going at Chris Boucher over and over again. And if you're Robin Lopez is running the offense when Bradley Beal is out on the floor, you have done something right defensively, and you've duped the other team into doing something that you want them to be doing. So with all of that, like I said, I, I think Baines becomes sort of a situational piece, starts in particular matchups here and there. Maybe you can build a bench lineup around him with Chris Boucher and put Boucher in his more sort of, I think, natural fit at the four. Could get a little bit clunky with spacing. Maybe that affects Boucher's effectiveness. And basically, I think you can build all your lineups now with two or three of your main five guys on the floor whenever OG's back. And the bench lineups can feature a point guard, whether it's Kyle or Fred. It can feature DeAndre Benbury, who we're going to get to in the next segment. It can feature Yuta Watanabe, who missed last night, but I think has kind of proven he's trusted. He can be trusted on defense in particular. The offense comes and goes, but as a number five option, when DeAndre Benbury's hitting his shots and he's doing some creation, I think you're okay with Watanabe out there. And then you can kind of oscillate back and forth. Maybe you have Norm or OG in there sometimes if you want to go wing heavy. Maybe you do have the Boucher-Baines uh, front court with just one of Norm or, or maybe both point guards or something like that in the lineup in the backcourt. I, I just think there's ways to mix and match where your main sort of eight or nine guys are all getting in, but you're not sort of overly dependent on the guys who are limited, like Aaron Baines in particular. So go small, and with all of that said as we're going to get to in the final segment with the big man search. And I know we've been talking about a lot of Andre Drummond recently. And I think as recently as Monday or Tuesday, I was sort of on the, you know what, if you have to sort of hold your breath and deal norm for Andre Drummond, it might be worth it. I've kind of been talked off that position. In fact, I'm officially out on the Andre Drummond idea. I think Norm's been way too valuable. I think his finishing and the offense he provides has been so essential to the Raptors climb up the offensive standings. And I think, They can get by with a much smaller upgrade where they don't deplete the rest of the roster and still be the third, fourth best team in the conference. And I think that is totally where you want to be. And it gives you a shot to make an earnest run, maybe get some luck in the postseason, make a conference finals, whatever it might be. I'm fully on board the get a smaller upgrade instead of Andre Drummond train at this point. I think it, it just... The Drummond thing is too difficult to pull off, and if you didn't have to trade Norm, I would be a little bit more into it, but Norm right now, I think, probably adds more value to your team than Andre Drummond would, as much as the center position is a bummer. I mean, I've been saying all along, OG's the best center on this team. Start using him as the best center on this team. Keep Norm in the starting five. Keep Norm doing what he's doing. And you're going to be a very dangerous team, I think, as they kind of continue to normalize here and continue to hopefully scratch back above 500 very soon, potentially as early as Sunday, if they can pull off a win against Boston tonight. So that's it. No more Drummond. We're not talking about Drummond on this podcast anymore. It's not happening, at least not in my head. We're not speaking into existence. So we will leave it there and move ahead to the next segment, where I just want to take a second to acknowledge the work of DeAndre Bembry. He's a lot of fun, man, and he kind of makes a lot of these rotation decisions a little bit easier for Nick Nurse. So we'll get to him in just a sec. But first, let me tell you better friends over at rockauto.com. I've told you before, I've gone to the mechanic before needing a part from my car, needing something fixed, and just not knowing any clue about what to pay what the actual prices are what they're marking me up at the mechanic well rockauto.com gets rid of all that confusion because you know they're not marking you up they are a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers they've got everything from engine control modules brake parts tail lamps motor oil even new carpets whether it's for your classic or your daily driver get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door the rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Seriously, it's like so easy. For a dum-dum like me, it's like three clicks and you get to the exact part for the exact vehicle and the exact year that you need it in. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably low, and the same for professionals and do it yourselfers. So, why would you spend up to twice as much for the exact same parts? Go to RockAuto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, and write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you'll ever need at RockAuto.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. All right, so before I get into some DeAndre Bembry propaganda, just a note, uh, tomorrow's podcast, Friday, we'll be breaking down the Celtics game. It should be up late tonight, actually. I'm going to be joined by Iman from Dishes and Dimes, one of our faves, one of the, uh, the 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 queens of Raptors Twitter as well. So looking forward to that one. Hopefully, a slanderous podcast about the dastardly Boston Celtics after a Raptors win. We'll get to that on Friday, of course. But now, let's dive into DeAndre Bembry, who... Last night at halftime, I called my grandmother just to say hi. It was I I feel like I talked about this on the podcast. It was a year yesterday since my grandma went to her first Raptors game. We bought her a Fred Van Vliet jersey for her birthday, um, and they were playing the Minnesota Timberwolves. They got their 15th win in a row that night uh, to set the franchise record that still stands today. And she was just kind of posting about it and very happy and thinking, oh, man, what a time. Just before COVID, I'll have us all good times. So I just gave her a call to see what was up. And she really, really loves DeAndre Bembry. I just had to pass that along. Grandma loves Bembry. Thinks uh, while he doesn't play the same position, that he does similar things to Marcus All out there, just kind of directing traffic, playmaking, all that stuff. Grandma's got the takes, and I'm happy to pass along the takes from Grandma today. Um, I agree with Grandma that Mark, that DeAndre Bembry is awesome, uh, and I just think it's worth pointing out. The things he's doing to really, I think, ingratiate himself into the rotation. And to me, he's very clearly the number seven guy. And honestly, I kind of trust him more than Chris Boucher. I know I'm hard on Boucher and very back and forth on him. He was awesome last night, by the way. 17 points, 16 boards. Um, Very nice to see there. Got to the line a ton. Um, But with Bembry, you just kind of know exactly what you're getting. And Blake Murphy made the point on Twitter earlier this week. It was just inevitable that Bembry was going to become one of Nick Nurse's guys. He just checks way too many boxes. He's got too many things going for him that Nick Nurse would love, from the extra playmaking he offers when he's on the floor because of those old point guard instincts from when he was at St. Joe's to the defense he provides. He just can kind of fit exactly into the Raptors' system. He's aggressive. He can lurch for steals. He's just great, and you know he's he's unsexy, right? Sometimes I'm not sure he can actually jump, and I kind of stunned when he dunks. But he it just he does everything to kind of connect everything out there. He very much does sort of allow the pressure to be off of the other ball handlers when he's on the floor, because it's not just about Fred or Kyle creating in those bench lineups. You know, Bree can do a little bit too, and then those guys can hover around off ball where they're always very effective. You know, and the three point shooting with with Bembry has been a nice little surprise, too. Is he going to be a north of 40% shooter all year? Probably not. He's been in the 20s for his entire career. But who knows? Maybe the Raptors just have, like, voodoo magic when it comes to shooting form and all that. They've got Stanley Johnson hitting threes. They've got Yuta Watanabe hitting threes. Pascal Siakam was a guy who had never hit threes when he was a rookie, a second year player. And now look at him, um, you know, this year notwithstanding, I guess. But, like, it's just maybe they can just teach twos to shoot on the fly i don't know the thing about Bembry, even if his three point shooting comes down a bit he's always going to have good looks because the threes he's getting the one or two a game he's getting are just like utterly wide open and he's stepping up and knocking them down and credit to him and i think that's sort of the 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 deal with utah and stanley johnson as well is like all their threes are disgustingly open and that makes things a lot easier and probably juices their stats a little bit You know, teams aren't going to guard Ben Breen the postseason on all that stuff. If you have the ball in his hands, maybe that kind of mitigates that in those transitional lineups. I just, I I love what he's doing, man. I I think I trust him. He's basically untouchable in any sort of trade to me just because of what he's kind of offering at that in between spot for so little money. Um, You know, not that he'd be an easy dude to just put into a contract to match salaries anyway because he doesn't make very much. But I just, he, to me, when it comes to all these guys, like Stanley Johnson's the one I'm throwing in, contract, in trade talks just because A, his contract's a little bigger, and B, I think he's more expendable. What Benbury's doing, I'm not surprised that they're kind of finding a groove as he's you know had his role boosted up here. He's kind of doing everything Patrick McCaw sort of does in Nick Nurse's brain but doesn't actually do in practice. That's what Benbury's offering. He's just a more talented, well-rounded player, and it's really, really fun. And so I just wanted to give him some flowers. And the other thing about Benbury, too is that if the Raptors are going to go small and sort of complete the experiment and just sort of say, all right, goodbye to centers for most of the time we play, Bembry is really helpful in getting to those lineups. You know, he could play with four starters you know minus norm throw him in with fred kyle og and siakam and offer a little bit more size and defense to those lineups and more switchability and that kind of thing he can sort of play anywhere between the 2 and the 4 basically he can play next to boucher as a 4 if boucher's the 5 and because he's a good rebounder for his position he kind of helps you gain back whatever you're losing with your smaller spots at the at the center spot or whatever it might be if you put him in as a guard, like he, he, again, he can handle the ball. He can kind of do what the Raptors were forced to do with ronde Hollis Jefferson last year, where it was like, well, you can't shoot at all. You can sort of dribble, so we'll let you kind of run point once in a while. It was never pretty because Rondé could barely dribble. DeAndre Bembry can very much dribble and make that work and have shooters hover around him. Obviously, teams are never going to go over the screen on him. He doesn't have a pull-up game, so there's limited sort of effectiveness that he's going to have when he's the ball handler in charge. But he's never going to be the ball handler in charge when things matter most. It'll be in second and early fourth quarters where he's kind of doing the in-between transitional lineup thing. And like I said off the top, the Raptors are in a position now once OG's back where you don't have to have fewer than two of your main five guys on the floor at any one time. And because they're all so multi-positional, you can kind of get creative with who you're throwing out there. And Benbury can be out there basically at all times with two or three starters and really fill in the gaps quite nicely. I'm just... I'm a big Benbury fan. I knew I was going to be a fan when they signed him in the offseason. And I know I was kind of pushing for him as he should be a rotation guy from the jump. I'm sad it took as long as it did for Nick Nurse to get wise and start playing him as often as he is. But it's really nice that he's doing it now. And I I can't see him going anywhere in this rotation when OG comes back. You know, if there's going to be a casualty when OG returns, I, I would imagine Terrence Davis is going to lose some minutes, um, yeah, as he should, because he's bad at basketball. Um, and, and I think Stanley Johnson's probably going to go down a little bit. Utah will probably lose some minutes just because of those wing minutes going to OG. But Benbury, I think, is kind of foolproof because he can play. You know, he can be your nominal point guard. He can play the two. He can play the four. He can play the three. He can basically play anywhere you want him to. And that's going to, I think, save him from getting his minutes chopped a little bit here once Ananobi is back in the lineup. That's all I got on Bembry. I just wanted to uh, give him some love because he's becoming quite the fun little role player who does just everything well and intelligently and, again, really sort of helps fill in the gaps in the lineups that have bled a lot of the time this year for the Raptors. Shout out to Bembry. In the final segment, coming up in just a sec, we're going to dive into my official big list, uh, literal list of bigs (laughs) of... My top five of bigs I want to see the Raptors go and target and the the returns. And you'll be surprised that I don't have a lot of deals that send Aaron Baines out. It's a lot of smaller contract guys. Um, And I think there's a reason why Baines should still be on the team for just, you know, emergency purposes. So we'll get into that and dive into some of my favorite targets as the trade market really kind of gets closer. We're like 11 days away from... De- deals being movable. So we'll get to that in the final segment of the show. But first, I want to tell you all about betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best place to put your money down. your bets, And you can free uh, sign up for free as well. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device and sign up today and use your use the promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online your online sports book experts. Don't forget that promo code locked on today's show is also brought to you by 1010. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly and sustainably sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a set of 10 uniquely beautiful diamond rings, and they're available now exclusively at BlueNile.com. This exciting collection of truly unique limited-edition diamond engagement rings is available now only at BlueNile.com. All right, let's wrap this thing up with a look at some of my favorite big man targets for your Toronto Raptors. I guess it's in sort of some order here, but maybe not. I don't know. And I have a couple of honorable mentions who, if their contracts were a little bit shorter, would be significantly higher on my list. But let's start off at the top. This is one that I think I kind of came to the conclusion with on Twitter with our friend Joseph Cacharo of The Score a couple days ago. And I guess it was colored by playing the Memphis Grizzlies. But Gorgie Jang is, to me, I think my favorite potential Raptors target. He's a dude who can shoot. He is at like 50% from three this season, which is remarkable for his career. He's a 36% three point shooter. He's been pretty effective this season as well. He's at eight points, five boards, one and a half assists. Um, he's got a pretty nice looking PR. You know, he's kind of doing a lot of things in his limited minutes, just 18 minutes a game for Memphis this year. He's on an expiring contract. He makes $17.2 bucks, And with Jaron Jackson Jr. probably coming back at some point here from Memphis, with Jonas Valanciunas playing the way he has, and with Xavier Tillman, my my guy, the guy who makes me cry every time I watch him play because the Raptors didn't take him, with him kind of stepping up and taking a rotation spot, I could kind of see Gorgie Jen getting cut out here. And I would like the Raptors to go and try to pursue that a little bit. You know, he's someone who isn't going to offer the rim protection that you necessarily want. He's a fine defender, maybe not a great defender. A little bit slow, is not going to guard in space necessarily. But with his three-point shooting, you can have him stand outside of the paint and not get in the way of uh, Pascal Siakam, which is very nice, of course. That's, I think, been a big problem with Aaron Baines. He's just kind of in the way all the time and doesn't really know where to stand. If you have Jang, he's not going to be like looking at his feet to see if he's outside the three-point arc the way Baines does every time he takes a three. I like that idea. The deal for for Gorgie Jang is Aaron Baines, uh, Stanley Johnson, Patrick McCaw. Probably a second, but maybe not. The hang-up is that Memphis would have to cut some dudes, and there just might not be enough guys on their roster that they want to get rid of. They should want to get rid of, like, Grayson Allen, because who cares about Grayson Allen? But the thing about the Grizzlies is that they're like the NBA draft Twitter team, and so they just have all the dudes you want at the back end of their bench. I don't know if they'd have the wherewithal to cut any of those guys, but maybe they would. I, I would like to see it. <laughs> you know, If they can get a second-round pick or something out of it too, that might be what you have to use to incentivize them to actually cut some players. Um, maybe they have some use for Stanley Johnson and see if he can fit before he hits free agency this offseason. Maybe they can make a call on him. Um, but I just think Jeng could be eminently gettable, and you don't have to break the bank Assets-wise to get him because there's just not really a place for him on Memphis once Jaron Jackson Jr. is back. The number two for me is Ken Birch. Um, Three million bucks a year. It's very easy to pull off a trade. The Magic are a tire fire. They have too many bigs. They have too many forwards. And Ken Birch is on expiring deals. So you're really probably not asking a lot for him if you are uh the Orlando Magic right like I think you could probably get a deal done for like Terrence Davis Matt Thomas maybe a second The money matches up with those two perfectly again I think I feel a little bit gross about trading Terrence Davis just because getting something positive out of him feels like kind of cheating if you're the Raptors and it's kind of a bummer and they shouldn't get a positive thing for keeping him on the roster but if you're just looking at money that that works Davis and Thomas in a second for Ken Burch I'd be totally down for that and I think Birch, you know, he's not like much of a shooter or anything like that, but he does have some like grime to him. He's a little bit mean. He's a little bit undersized. But if you need someone to kind of throw up against a big, beefy dude in the playoffs, he might be able to do it for you. Um, I, I just his rebounding is pretty nice for a guy who's only like six to nine, six, ten. Give me Ken Birch. He's fun as hell. And he's a mean, mean dude, which is always fun. The next guy for me is Rashawn Holmes. Uh, I have Stanley Stanley Johnson and one of Terrence Davis or Matt Thomas in a second for Rashawn Holmes as an idea. He's making about five million bucks this year. He is on uh, an expiring contract. The problem here is that the Kings are kind of okay right now. They're twelve and twelve. They're in the playoff mix, and Rashawn Holmes has been super valuable for them. My thinking is maybe they look to move on from him and get something for him that allows them to kind of play Marvin Bagley at the five. It seems like he's kind of getting more run there. That's where he probably should be. Their lineups kind of suggest that if they put him at the five, like they'll be able to sort of put their best players on the floor a little bit more often. Because Harrison Barnes is a four, Tyrese Halliburton is too good to not play, and Buddy Heald is bombing away threes. So that's kind of the reasoning for why they would trade him. But he's also been like hella efficient. He's kind of been an anchor of their lineups. He's been starting for them. I I can't really see them being eager to move on for him. But if you can grease the wheels with maybe a second um, for like the double draft year, 2023, perhaps, maybe that gets it done. It's tricky, though, right? It's just you have to. Hopefully, maybe see the Kings fall back down the standings a little bit here. And by the time February 22nd, 23rd comes around, maybe they're sitting, you know, four or five games below 500 and looking a little bit differently at their prospects for the season. So, root for the Kings to lose games is basically what I'm saying. As much as they're fun, as much as De'Aaron Fox rules, uh, you got to root for the Kings to lose. So, Rashawn Holmes becomes available because I think it'd be pretty fun. I had a question about uh, on Twitter, uh, you know, is Rashawn Holmes too bad at defense? And is he see a reason why the Kings were so bad at defense this season. Yeah, maybe i don't think he's any great shakes defensively he's pretty mobile so you know that might offer you a little bit of sort of ability to have him switch out and stuff like that but yeah if you're relying on rashawn holmes as your defensive anchor it's probably not the best thing in the world but you do make a lot back because of his finishing he's at like something absurd from around the rim he's like 80 or something ridiculous from the restricted area he's got a little push shot that's like now famous throughout the league he would kind of give you enough on offense I think that you again you have another finisher out there to pair with the four finishers you typically typically going to be starting with and that becomes pretty dangerous to to work with especially considering the lack of a role man the raptors have had this season and as we talked about yesterday they're finishing around the rim they're finishing on the roll is some of the worst in the NBA and that would certainly help that to offset any defensive deficiencies Holmes might bring and then you don't have to you don't necessarily play Holmes in clutch minutes if you need to have better defenders out there, you can just play small, or even Baines, you know, because you're not trading Baines to get him in theory, so like Rashawn Holmes a lot, I've been talking about him all season long, I just feel like of all these guys, he might be the most difficult to obtain. Next one for me is Mason Plumley. I know, P.U., hold your freaking breath, um, but he's a nice little player, man, the contract is not awesome, it's three years, 25 million, I think people kind of roasted that contract, it's really not that bad, it's just like three years at what, um, more or less, Aaron Baines is making. It's just more years of it, which, you know, signing up for more years of a Plumlee is kind of a weird thing to do. But he's a good passer. He's a good rebounder. Like, he's averaging 3.2 assists a game this season. How much of the Raptors missed that from their bigs, right? And I, I just, I think there's a, a fit there, potentially. He doesn't shoot, which is a problem because obviously. We've talked about how the the cluttered lane can kind of give problems to to Pascal Siakam, but as a guy who could kind of anchor bench lineups, I, I can be I can get down for for Mason Plumlee. He's not a great defender, but he's like a surprisingly strong, you know, athletic dude. I, I just I I think it, it's an okay fit, even with the extra money you're taking on for two years beyond this one. I just because of the way he kind of addresses what the Raptors do poorly when it comes to rebounding and having extra playmaking from the big man spot I, I don't hate it as much as I feel like I should hate it because it's a plumley. like what no one wants a plumley voluntarily what are we talking about here but if there is a plumley you have to sell it for Mason's the one for sure and it, I don't know it, the return's interesting because it's like do they kind of realize in Detroit oh we kind of made a mistake with this deal Maybe we don't want him on our team for three more years, especially since we might in the running, be in the running for like Evan Mobley in the draft. Do we really want Mason Plumley around? I, I, so I'm trying to figure out what the return might be. You could do Stanley Johnson and Patrick McCaw, reunite Stan with the Detroit Pistons, which would be, I guess, depressing in a weird way. Uh, maybe a couple seconds for Plumley, Or maybe they don't want the contract on the books and one second would do it. I don't know. It's a weird one. Again, I feel gross and dirty just talking about it because it's Mason Plumlee, but he kind of has the goods to fix a lot of what the Raptors kind of need right now. And again, you wouldn't have to rely on him all that much. I don't think you'd have to start him necessarily. You could. It'd be fine, most likely. And he's a good role man, which you can space around, and that's fun, which is very much not what Aaron Baines is, but that's just something to keep an eye on i don't hate it the last one for me number five on my list is pj tucker uh he's not uh a big necessarily but he's kind of played as a big for the last how many years maybe it's getting to him he does sometimes look kind of washed but also he doesn't shoot very often because he's just not really a big part of the offensive plans he's just kind of out there for spacing purposes and knocking down one or two threes whenever they come to him Um, his defense is still obviously incredible You could certainly roll out a front court of OG PJ Tucker and Pascal Siakam and cause a lot of problems defensively. I I do worry that maybe he's a bit over the hill. But, you know, if you can throw Stanley Johnson and Patrick McCaw and a second at the, or maybe two seconds, because there's probably going to be a bidding war for him, maybe that gets it done. Maybe you have to include a Terrence Davis or something like that to sort of grease the wheels. You know, the Rockets don't seem to care about who they have on their team. They have Demarcus Cousins, right? So (laughs) maybe they don't really care about um the nefarious stuff as much again i feel gross about trading terrence davis but if it greases the wheels maybe and the rockets want it then good for them i guess i don't know but um yeah the thing with tucker is there is going to be a bidding war for sure a lot of these teams could use him you know the the bucks i'm sure would love to have pj tucker i'm sure the clippers or the lakers wouldn't hate adding him the nets could definitely use someone who can play defense on their team So you might be in a bit of a bidding war, but I would certainly kick around because we know he works in Toronto and he would fit quite nicely, I think, in those closing defensive lineups in particular. You could even bring him off the bench and it wouldn't have to disrupt your offense all that much or disrupt your rotation all that much. Or you could have him start and be your nominal center or be your nominal four and have Pascal slide to the three and OG at the five, whatever it might be. Um, There's some options there couple of uh, honorable mentions who didn't quite make it. Um, you know, Nerlands Noel has been kicked around. I just don't know if he's very good. Uh, so I guess in a pinch you could do it, but I don't really care. Uh, Dwight Powell, I really wish Dwight Powell didn't have a three-year contract at 11 million bucks a year because I think Dwight Powell would be a f- Perfect fit. He seems to be the kind of guy who drives winning all the time. I don't know why Mavs fans hate him so much. It's he's like a very strange pillar. It's kind of like Patrick Patterson almost, where like Raptors fans hated him, but he like very clearly drove positive performance when he was on the floor for most of his time in Toronto. Um, so maybe that's not a comparison that gets you excited or anything like that. But he definitely does good things. The Achilles obviously has hindered him this season in his attempt to come back. Um, you know, tearing an Achilles is bad, especially when you're 29 or whatever. You, you know, you might never get it back, and that would suck because Dwight Powell is super fun and cool, but he, and I just, the three-year contract, I think, doesn't quite do it for me as much as I think he would be a really fun little piece and a, and a nice addition and probably the best of all these guys that you could add, um, maybe minus Rashawn Holmes. I would like that a lot, and the Mavs are terrible, so maybe there's a move to be made there. I don't know. Maybe you can get Maxi Kleber from the uh, or Kleba from the Mavs, too. He's not really a center, but maybe you do that the Mavs are weird anyway that's kind of my list uh, and you'll notice like I said there's not a lot of whole there's not a lot of trading Aaron Baines in these deals because I do think there's some utility in having Baines just because he's a big thick dude you can throw on big thick dudes right the more versatility you have the better if Aaron Baines is your 10th man and you can use him situationally I think that's good having him on the roster even if he's not performing the way you hoped he would have there's still a utility there somewhere I think um, whether it's for spot starts or just specific matchups you need to throw them against. And if you can make a deal dealing from a surplus, which is wings, <laughs> you know, you can deal a Stanley Johnson and a Patrick McCaw and throw in some picks to make a, a deal for one of these expiring guys in particular happen, having baines on the floor in addition to whoever you pick up i think is just a nice bit of versatility extra guys out there um but yeah anyway the guy i want most involves baines getting traded and that's gorgie Jang. so go get gorgie Jang. uh that'd be fun bang some threes in that's gonna do it for me thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode like i said tomorrow we will dive into the celtics game and uh that'll be a lot of fun iman's gonna join me it's gonna be great So look forward to that. In the meantime, please support the podcast. Uh, Subscribe, rate, review, wherever you get your podcast. It's always very, very appreciated. Uh, I have a new episode of uh, Basketball coming up today as well with a very fun guest. So joining who's joining Katie and I. So go and listen to that podcast. It's a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, that'll do it. Shout out to my grandma for her DeAndre Benbury takes. Shout out to Norm Powell. Shout out to Pascal Siakam, who looks great again, and all that good stuff. Uh, So we'll talk to you again on Friday? Yeah, Friday, that's what it is, uh, with another episode of Locked On Raptors. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Talk to you soon. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music.